Our text today will be in the book of Luke, chapter uh, 15, and uh, today's message will be on three things lost and found. And I'm going to ask William to read this. It's a lengthy passage today, and uh, he's going to read it out of the New Living Translation, so you can listen along or follow in your, your uh, version of the scriptures there today. So William, if you'll come and read this for us, I appreciate it. Again, this is 15, 1 through 32. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associated with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs from looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I'm dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you, both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servant, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go on. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. 
Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf? His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Thank you, William. I included the last part in that because that represented a group of people that uh, were often challenging Jesus on the very message he was teaching here about God's love for people and his desire to be in people's lives and have them found and be part of his church, part of his family, excuse me. And so uh, we included that last part of the older brother because uh, Jesus loved them too. He wanted them to find a way also to be found. Uh, probably been 15 years ago or so, a man was, was pronounced dead after drowning off the coast of uh, Egypt's port city of Alexandria. He regained consciousness after spending three hours in a morgue refrigerator. Uh, and so the, the newspaper reported it this way that Ali Muhammad, he had a middle name I can't pronounce, 32 years old, an Arabic teacher, said the last thing he remembered before blacking out is a dizzy spell and seeing a vision of his mother's face while swimming at the Alexander Beach on Monday. He was awakened by a loud bang and unfamiliar voices. I found myself locked inside tight walls of a metal of metal and whispers of people I didn't recognize. And so he grabbed the hand of the attendant who was trying to close the refrigerator door in that morgue, and his firm grip sent the attendant and a family who had apparently come to identify the body of another loved one. They went out of the morgue yelling, Help us, they said. He said he stood on his frozen feet with difficulty and left the morgue to call his family in the southern Egyptian city of Malawi, only to find that friends who accompanied him to the beach had already told the family that he was dead. Some people believe they're past help. They feel like they're as good as dead that they are, there's no way. And some of their friends believe that about them. And so it's into that kind of world that Jesus went, and it could be our world today, the same thing. Many people listen to Jesus, and as he taught, they felt like they might be beyond the reach of God. Even God himself couldn't reach them. Uh, somewhere they've been born in the wrong way. They had a real strict class system in those days like we do. I'm born in a bad situation. You go around this world, there are people that are practically cast into the world just in the worst possible situations. All kind of barriers that we feel in life that we feel like we can't uh, get over. Uh, many lives are so deprived that nobody wants them. And in their heart, surely God must not want them. 
There are some who thought that, that God would never have anything to do with them because their lives seemed so hidden, so insignificant, so covered with defeat, so lost in just the general hubbub of life that nobody even seems to even know that they exist. Somehow God, they think, had even lost track of them. And he didn't really care either. There were people like that in that day. And there are people like that in this day. There were many in that day that had given up on God. Because surely, God only wanted the good. The good people. And their hearts and their lives had been so far from living for God that surely God didn't want them back. That they were just refuge. I've rebelled and I'll just have to live with it. I've heard a lot of people, even in their older years, talk about talk that way. I've just gotten so far along that God surely wouldn't want me. And so, as I said, many even religious folks were listening to Jesus that day. And among the Pharisees and these other teachers of the law. And some of them even felt that way. They didn't want to admit it. They hid it. But they felt that way too. And so Jesus, I think, is telling this story in, John, in, in Luke 15. The story of three things lost and three things found. To set the record, to set the record straight. And so Jesus describes, you might say, the lostness of mankind in these three stories. In this first one, it's like a sheep that has gone astray. The Bible says in one place, all we like sheep have gone astray. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So if you see that about yourself, it might be helpful for you to know that that's actually the truth of every human being. We all go astray. And I talked about this in the children's sermon, so I'm not going to go through the whole process of the shepherd story here. But sometimes we're just lost because we're foolish. You know, a sheep is considered one of the most foolish or dumb animals. I don't know that science has actually studied their brains, but proverbially anyway, they are considered foolish. And maybe that's why they're so often referred to as people. You know, people are referred to as sheep. Lost because of foolishness. I've just made some dumb moves in my life. I got a call last night. Well, I, I didn't really have, I wasn't in a mood for this kind of call, but I got one. You know, Saturday night, it's, it's just something about Saturday night. What is it? I think people might drink a little bit. And uh, when they get to feeling sorry for themselves, they want to talk to somebody. And they've already wore their family out. So they might just give me a call, you know, because I'm supposed to listen to people. And so this is about the fourth time I've had to call from this particular person. And um, just wanted to cry, you know, about his love life. I've already talked to him about his love life. <laughs> I've already kind of told him he's young. I said, this, you know, 
you need to do this. This is a way you can kind of, but he never listens to me. And so about every four months, I get a call, and he's just making dumb decisions. And it looks like he's just going to continue to make them. Well, right now, he's young, and the consequences aren't so significant. But as it goes along in life, these dumb decisions are going to come back and bite him hard and probably bite somebody else. And so we make foolish decisions, and sometimes when we're young, and that's why when we're young, you know, do everything you can to be wise. And, if you, you know, you might not believe it, but there's some wise people around. It might be a good idea to talk to them, you know. You can see I'll talk to you at least five times probably. Uh, the world pulls at us, the flesh, the devil, and sometimes we are just foolish. And so Jesus told the story of the lost sheep. He also told this story about the lost coin. Sometimes people have fallen and they're lost. Many are like that coin in that they've fallen perhaps into a crevice somewhere of existence. That they feel completely hidden away. And maybe they've fallen there because of bad influence. Who knows? You know, sometimes we get with the wrong crowd. We can get in some bad influences. Before you know it, we've found ourselves in a place we thought we would never be in. And so beware of those who will influence you because you might be in for a big fall. This coin, a coin, of course, has no mindset. And so this coin, through no fault of its own, has somehow landed somewhere in a bad place, a place where it's lost. And that coin in this little home where this woman lived was very important. It's important for a couple of reasons. It could be. One is that coin represented enough food for the day. When you're living on a day-to-day existence, that coin was extremely important. Or that coin could have been a coin that this woman had that uh, has romantic reasons. I always like to stir in a little romance, you know, into the the message. We give rings now as signs and tokens of our love. Well, in those days, it might be a coin that would hang about the neck, maybe a little hole in it or something like that. And it would be a precious coin. Anyway, it's lost. In this house. Now their houses aren't like our houses. They don't have lights, light switches they can cut on. They don't have much windows in them. You didn't really stay a lot in a home. Except for the case that you, know, you had to have somewhere with some shelter. And some place to store your things and sleep at night. And so it would be dark. It's a dark place. And the ground is dirt. And she would sweep the dirt looking for this coin, trying to find some glimpse, like looking for a needle in a haystack, you know, just trying, knowing it must be in there somewhere. But where in the world is it? 
Some of you have perhaps lost a ring or something, and you've searched and searched the house over, and it might be that you'll find it someday, or it may be that it's gone down the great drain of glory, headed toward who knows where. So Jesus is describing lostness. And this coin represents a kind of lostness. I've, I've wound up in this place through the fault of someone else and sometimes. Now, that doesn't take our responsibility away from us because we make our decisions. But some of us have been brought into this world in a bad situation. But that's not going to be an excuse. But it, it happens. Then he talks about this son, this rebellious son who runs away from home. And he, he is uh, taken advantage of the rules of inheritance and he's been able to get his inheritance early or at least his father consents to it and he takes all that's coming his all his comeuppance be careful when you're asking for your comeuppance because he got his comeuppance and he took it he uh he left this home this caring comfortable home where there was provision he he had this ungrateful request rebellious Foolish. He willfully left home. And he went, it says, to a far country. A place, and this, this you might think of as a distant place, but not distant simply in distance. There must be another word. Somebody look it up. But also in difference from his family, from his values. He really was far away. You know, you can be close to home and be distant. You can be far away. And ultimately, he foolishly wasted his life. Not only his, not only his things, his money, but also just his life. His life was burning away, a candle burning at both ends. He was losing this time. And ultimately, everything he had, you might could say, if you put it in a financial term, he was bankrupt. Financially, morally, spiritually, and in family. He was, you might could say, was living under the devil's thumb. Living in Shame. So Jesus points out these three forms of lostness. And these things are as valid today as it ever was. These, this is a thing about Jesus. This is why I like to preach Jesus so much. He's our Savior, first of all. He's the Son of God, main, main, mainly Son of God and our Savior. But thirdly, because what Jesus has to say has eternal significance and meaning. And so these stories are very relevant to us, even if we don't have live on a dirt floor. My wife makes sure our floor does not get too dirty. If it were me, I would probably live on a dirt floor. <laughs> but here's these three portraits of lostness, and there's loneliness. You see the loneliness here? There's alienation. There's fear. There's guilt, feeling of left out, darkness, 
cries in the night. All of these things are like walls that remind us we're lost. And Jesus then points every heart to the answer. All the listeners now of these stories, Jesus is giving them the answer. And the answer is, there is a God who is searching for you. These are all searching kind of stories in a real sense. Even the last one, and we'll get to that. And the Pharisees were really just amazed at this. They, were, they actually hated this kind of thinking because they were doing everything they could to be good. And they were counting on that goodness being their credit to getting into heaven. And so when they hear these stories about a God who cares for these outcasts, for these, these unworthy kinds of peoples, it really upsets their religion. <clears throat> and so that's another reason Jesus likes to tell these stories. He likes to set the record straight for everybody. And so like the good shepherd, and we talked about that process, seeking, calling, listening, till he finds the sheep. A searching God for a lost soul. There's some poem if I were to read it, we would be here a long time, called The Hound of Heaven. And it, it talks about how, how the Holy Spirit of God is searching. He's sniffing us out. He's looking to see where we are. He is, he is bent on finding us. Well, God knows where we're at. God knows where we're at. I hear a little sheep already calling out. And so, like that sheep, that lost sheep, and then like that search for the house, this woman in this dark house, lighting her lamp, her little flicker of a lamp, and holding it into the corners of that house, just looking for that little piece of coin to just glisten a little bit so that she can find it. Broom sweeping, straining to see, God's Spirit, you see, sweeps the land. Sweeps every human soul. He's, he knows we're there. No matter what we've gotten under, He knows we're there. And He sweeps until He finds us. And then He redeems us. And so, the search of God... We also see through the story of the father. And this is the difference in, the, in perhaps the sheep and the coin and the son. Is that here he is waiting on us. He's not only seeking the lost. He's waiting on the lost. And so he's praying. Here's a father who's praying. Have you ever thought about. God as praying? Why would... Now, he'd be praying, I guess, mulling over to himself. But what would he be praying for? Who would he be praying for? 
you'd be praying for the lost son, the lost soul. And why would God have to pray? Or why would he be, I guess it's not right to say it that way. I'm sorry, Lord, if that's the wrong word. Why would God be mulling over and waiting on us and desiring? Let's use the word desiring this son to come home. Because we have our own will. Unlike the sheep, we may just be hanging off the edge of a cliff somewhere and the shepherd will come and grab us up by the nap of the neck and save us really in spite of ourselves. Unlike the coin that we're just laying there and finally the woman finds and picks. The son has his own will and the father's waiting. He's waiting for an answer. He's waiting for that son to come into sight. And so, and so there he is. Uh, God is waiting on that son to return. And so here's the story. This is, the, this is where it's getting down to where people now are hearing about how they can come to know the Lord. This son, you see, has found himself now in the pit, really, of trouble. Uh, in the midst of degradation he is. And he, it says, it says, I like the way it says in the King James, it says, he came to his senses. Do you have, have you ever been in a time of your life where basically you finally came to your senses? You finally started thinking the right way. Sometimes it's harder to see it about ourselves as it is perhaps a loved one. Somebody that we really have been praying for and looking for any kind of change in their life. And all of a sudden, it just seems they come to their senses. It's as if they were like insane for so long. Doing things foolish, doing things that are, you know, uh, wrong doing things that are hurting them and their family, doing things that are out yonder somewhere, and then all of a sudden, it seems they come to their senses. That's a great and grand moment right there. I tell you, when somebody finally comes to their senses and says, I want to change. I've got to change. I need to change. And I'm going to look to the Lord to help me change. That's a big deal right there. When that happens, that's a turning point. That's a great turning point. And so he resolved in his mind. Now, he knew he had about done everything you could to lose out on his position. He had basically rebuffed his father's love. He had basically turned his back on every appeal that had been made to him. He had basically wasted his father's goods that was given to him. He realized he realizes that when he goes to that account, that that thing, he's not been able to draw off that account in a long time. Because that's been gone a long time. And so he begins to think, how can I get back? And so he resolves in his heart, I'm going home. And this is not just about a child going home. This is about someone in their heart going to the Lord, going to the Heavenly Father. God likes to be called Father. Jesus taught us that. Turning to the Father. And in his heart, there's this sorrow 
But mixed with this sorrow is this desire to be out of this and to be back to a good, sensible life. To be back with the Father on good terms or any kind of terms that his Father will take him on. And so he goes with this repentance in his heart. This is repentance acting here. This, this sorrow that he has, but it's a sorrow that wants to change. It's a sorrow that has spent itself and now is wanting the love of the, of the Heavenly Father. And so he's turned and he's ready basically to do one thing. He's just going to fling himself on the Father's mercy. Now, my guess is this has probably been done before. In many cases, this has happened sometimes over and over again. And maybe the father has learned to discern that in some cases this boy has come back and basically he's just not got the message yet. And so there, there could have been situations. It happens, doesn't it? It happens in our lives. We've We've got to be able to discern. And so he says, I'm going to go and I'm just going to fling myself in front of my father for his mercy. No justice here. He's not even looking for a son's credit anymore. He's lost that. I'll just go back and maybe he'll take me on. You know, as one of his hired servants, they live in a whole lot better than I am right here now. Maybe he'll... Who knows what he's going to do to me? Maybe he'll just act real strong discipline. He's just going to stamp me down. And, but at least maybe I'll get some food out. I've, somehow I'll get some acceptance. So he heads on home. And he turns the corner. Somewhere down the road. Down that old dirt road. He gets that oak tree and he turns the corner. And he's starting back. Toward the father's house. And he sees it. And he keeps coming. And then he sees his father. And maybe he's been up and down this road a few times. I don't know. But here's a situation where the father comes to him. He meets him out there. Puts his arms around him. Loves him. Welcomes him home. As a son. This is my son. Oh, Father, I just, you know, just let me sleep out, you know, in the barn. No, no, you're my son. Puts a ring on him. He done wasted every ring he'd ever had. He puts a ring on him. Puts a robe on him. Puts some good clothes over this boy. Calls out to the servants. Let's cook that calf we've got prepared. He's been fattening that thing out there waiting on something. It's just right. Let's have a meal. Let's have a party. And he's absolutely overwhelmed. He's been brought back in the fullest sense as a son. Now I tell you, that says something about our God. It says something about him. We've all heard the old story perhaps, but you know sometimes old stories are good to tell about John Newton, or Newton. I always want to make a fig Newton out of that name, but it's John Newton. 
And you might remember he was a slave trader, one of the cruelest kinds of businesses to be in. And he was hauling human cargo from Africa to the Americas. And a terrible storm threatened the life of his ship, just an awful storm. Now, we, we, we sit through some storms. You can kind of admire storms of being a safe place, but when you're out on a ship in those days, this was life or death. And God spoke to his heart in that storm. And he spoke to his lost soul. And John Newton called to the Lord. And he repented and he begged Christ to come into his soul. And that rock, that ship as it rocked back and forth. And afterwards, this sinner, saved by God's grace, wrote a song that's become the testimony of millions. People love this song. It's got one of the greatest messages ever. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. But now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. There's a great joy to one who really knows they're lost when they find the Lord and they turn it over to the Lord. There's nothing like it in all the world. To finally find the relief of making peace with God. That's as good as it can get right there. To have peace with God. And there's no greater joy hardly than finding something precious that's been lost. It's a great joy to God's heart. When someone comes. Like the shepherd who's found the sheep or the woman who's found the jewel. Or the father who's found the son. Found. I remember when I was uh, working in the shoe stores over in Raleigh, working my way through school, and was in one of those malls, and getting close to closing time, and a woman came into the store, and she said, "Have you seen my son? I've lost him." And she went from store to store, all around that mall looking for that child, couldn't find, couldn't find him. And then finally, in the big department store down there at Penny's, in the women's department, that child had wandered away and behind some clothes and had gotten somewhere and fell asleep. And one of the clerks found the child and they called the mother and I saw her, we were closing up. She coming out of that store, embracing that child. God loves his children. He loves us. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for these, these passages, this parable, these stories. It's hard for us to relate to God sometimes. But these stories bring it down to earth. That our God is really a heavenly father. 
who wants us to come to our senses, yes. We can't come to the Lord. We can't come back until we have come to our senses. And we've realized how far we have gotten away from Him. And then we come to Him. We can come back. And if we have truly, 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 genuinely in our heart, repented of our sins and turned to Him and asked forgiveness of our sins and really committing our life again to Him, just totally giving ourselves over to Him and His way, then He will save us. And so we're mighty grateful. Lord, we're going to sing a song here, and I don't know what you may be calling as the shepherd would call the sheep, as the Holy Spirit would speak to our heart and say, today's the day. Why don't you today just really lay it all out before the Lord and make your peace with Him? So as we sing, I'd be glad to pray with you, or if you just want to come to the altar today and pray, you just come as the Lord would lead you. So God, we leave this to you now. This is your business. In Jesus' name, amen. Our hymn today is hymn number 275. Just I surrender, Lord, I'm giving it all up to you. Let's stand together as we sing. 275. Oh, God.